Let's be nerds. I'm your host, Stephen J, and we have another wonderful episode for you today. Uh, excited because we have a large panel once again. Uh, I have with me today Lizette, Gordon, Dylan, Carmen. Lizette, how are you? You almost didn't make it tonight, but you're here. I'm so I excited. Am, yes, I am here. I work almost took me out and made me want to just curl up in a ball and go to sleep, but. Um... You know, I just decided it was a better better thing to be on tonight. I love it. And I loved our energy from the last mythology episode. We're continuing that series tonight. I'm so excited. I like, how do you feel about us uploading two times a week now? Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah, I, I think um, we talked about doing it a little bit in the past and it didn't quite work. But I think we finally have uh, all of our ducks in a row, so to speak. So I, I like this. We have to thank Carmen because, Miss Carmen, you're with us here tonight, and you kind of kicked off mythology for us. Carmen, welcome back. Glad to have you. How are you feeling? Yeah, thank you guys for having me back. I appreciate the uh, the invite. It's great being here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to kind of sit back and listen and kind of join in today since uh, last week I took up a lot of time. Um, so today I'm excited to hear what everybody else is going to bring to the table. Well, I don't think you took up a lot of time. I think you took up the necessary time. And I appreciate you helping <laughs> us kick off our new series. Yeah. Hey, if it wasn't for our first multi-topic where we all kind of came with different subjects and I opened the door to, you know, Laura Olympus, we wouldn't <laughs> have found out that we all have such a deep kind of like love affair with Greek mythology. Right. It was so cool. It was like a common thread that we didn't even know was there. Um, Gordon, my friend. Long time no talk. Just saw you less than less than three hours ago. Yeah, I'm doing this whole thing. I'm, I'm getting a jump on my New Year's resolutions, and one of them is to be nicer to you. So glad to have <laughs> glad to have you here. And are you excited? As excited about this mythology part two as I am? I am excited. I'm excited to learn more about the gods or stories that our uh, speakers are going to talk about tonight. And for those of you listening, I have to give a credit to Gordon. We have, have been growing in our cast sizes for these Wednesday night episodes. And um, Gordon has been doing all the work behind the scenes to make it happen and get it together for us. And I cannot thank you enough, Gordo, because I am really excited about this new direction for the show. So am I. We're going to be able to produce, I hope, better quality episodes for all of our listeners and be able mm -hmm. to produce more. Quality and quantity. I love to see it. Mr. Dylan, you're back again. How are you? Good. I'm surprised I've been allowed to stick around this long, but you haven't kicked me out yet. So at this point, man, you're a staple. I need you here for the commentary and the banter and the background. I need it. I it's part of the, you know, the vernacular oh, at this point. Back. It's fine. <laughs> I'm here for it. But we have to talk about somebody else that's joining us we've been trying to get this individual for quite a while 
Dylan, this is somebody that's pretty close to you. It's your sister. A little, a little too close at times. <laughs> it is your wonderful sister, my cousin, Lizette's cousin, Delaney. Delaney, you finally made it to an episode of Let's Be Nerds. I'm so glad that the scheduling worked out that you could be here. Are you happy? Where are you at? Are you excited? Are you nervous? A little bit of both. <laughs> I'm excited to just listen, kind of just get a feel for it first. We'll see what happens. I'm here for that. And I I feel like we're pushing you a little bit out of your comfort zone. But I truly think that based on what I know of you, when you get a feel for the format and the vibe of positivity and acceptance and, you know, everybody's kind of a nerd about something. I think you will feel a lot more comfortable once you see what we're all about. So I'm just really glad to have you here. Glad so with, here. <laughs> with that being said, we are doing mythology part two. So Dylan, there is a particular Greek God that you want to share with us and discuss, and I'm here for it. And if you're ready, I'm ready. Lay it on us. Yeah. Um, I have one of my favorite Greek gods. Um, Hephaestus, the god of blacksmiths, fire, and craftsmanship, and stuff like that, always been one of my favorites because I always, I always found, and it's it's part of my topic today, of how how prevalent he could still be in modern times, to where he could be more than just a god of blacksmiths and fire. He could be a god of technology, craftsmanship, and art in itself. Okay, I'm following you. Because he, he always, he's known as an artificer, which is someone that works with technology a lot and stuff like that. He's always been shown to be building beautiful displays. He designed a lot of things for Olympus, working with the other gods and stuff like that. And I just, I, I've always found him to be very relevant in today's world with how much we focus on upgrading things and con constantly using the new technology to improve life and stuff like that okay yeah because we are kind of in that technological era where everything it's you know new new upgrades new innovations you know makes sense i have to say i think that his story is very compelling so he is the son of zeus and hera or potentially Hera alone because like was she was Hephaestus one that was born what what is that story that they were born out of her head out of, out of a thought of in her head um most of the stories I found for him he was the son of Hera and Zeus okay and he was born so ugly she kind of chucked him off the mountain and he landed I... with the um the less godlike um, individuals in mythology and stuff like that, and that's why he learned, you know, craftsmanship and how to build beautiful things and stuff like that. He's also the husband to um, Aphrodite. Aphrodite. I, I had to roll through the names real quick, <laughs> and he was one of the few that was he was faithful to Aphrodite and stuff like that. Her not so much, and there's no. actually a story where he built a um, magical net, I believe, to catch her, and I think it was Ares at the time she was having mm -hmm. a fling with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was... He kept building a lot of traps to catch people, I've noticed two things. 
so I that is one topic that I do want to get into is the dichotomy between him getting kicked off of Mount Olympus because of his appearance and then ending up with this, you know, the vision of beauty, the goddess of love, that whole storyline. And then she's completely unfaithful to him when he, and maybe, you know, I'm reading into it, but it, it almost gives me the, the sense of, you know, he's the working man, even though he is a God, he was, he represented the working man. He represented, you know, nose to the grindstone quite literally as a blacksmith. But the stories with Aphrodite, it's almost a little, as a guy, it's a little disheartening. It's like no matter how much you can do and how much work you put in and how hard of a worker you are, she may not be faithful. It wasn't her fault. She was just drawn that way. (laughs) (laughs) That was her nature. It was just her nature, yeah. I mean... Come on, though. You got a good man putting bread on the table, doing all this stuff, hardworking. I mean, he may, you know, look like a, it, a beast or whatever you want to say, but there's there's some morals there. There's some interesting lessons in their relationship. So one of the stories that I remember reading was not necessarily that Hephaestus was so ugly, is that he was actually lame and possibly disabled. So... Could it have possibly been he was like infertile, so to speak, or impotent? And maybe she had to have affairs because he couldn't satisfy her, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I've heard those versions as well. Yeah. So it could go either way, but he wasn't like typical gods. That's Hmm. for sure. See, I was not aware of those types of stories. That's interesting. I, uh, another spin. It makes you wonder. Uh, again, that's one of the best parts about the whole mythology is there's so many different interpretations and there's so many lessons that can be learned, even in modern day, to be taken away from. Um, yeah. I do have to say, was he actually represented in – like what's his media presence? Has he been represented in you know, God of War or Hercules? Has he, has he had a prevalent – so that actually ties into a, um, a little bit of what I was going to talk about later. I, I have a couple um, more recent like media presence for him. Okay. So he has been acknowledged. He is around. He is part of the lore. Hmm. Not as much as some of the other gods, but yes, I, I have noticed more um, acknowledgement for him recently. Okay. Hmm. I do have to say, um, the forging and the blacksmithing, I I think that's a very interesting thing because it's what other Greek god has there been actual I guess you could say product or yeah, like a creation. Craft yeah. From it? Yeah. I feel like he's one of the only ones. Yeah, most of the others, actually a lot of them receive their gifts and things like that from Hephaestus or had mm-hmm. him make it. Yeah. Hmm. So despite being lame and ugly and generally useless in the eyes of the gods because he doesn't truly look like a god, he proved to be one of the most useful out of all of them. Interesting. And he, in, in my opinion, he's one of the few that you could still potentially worship in a sense mm-hmm. and all 
aspects of human life compared to the others. And one of the fun things about him is the myth of how he was the worker is also how they explain volcanoes. So like if a volcano was erupting, that was just Hephaestus down there blacksmithing. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's where you get his Roman name Vulcan for volcano. Mm-hmm. I did not. I knew that was his Roman name, but I did not. I, I did not make that uh, connection, so to say. So yeah, they had him. That's how they explained the natural order of volcanoes was his myth and his story and his creation or whatever you want to call it, casting out. I guess no, not really casting out, but where he worked because he was thrown down from Olympus mm. into a volcano. Interesting. Now, what other Greek gods besides him? Because like now I feel like we're going to kind of expand. Was there any other gods? I think Hades was cast into the underworld. Were there any other Greek gods that were casted out the way Hephaestus was? Hades wasn't cast out. He just didn't get the luck of the draw on where to rule. Oh. After, after yeah, the, it, it after was a three-way deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he's brothers with Poseidon and, and Zeus, and that was Zeus was like, "Yeah, I'm going to take this." Poseidon got second draw, so he picked the sea, and Hades was kind of left with the underworld. He didn't have a choice, really. Well, and a lot of stories I've seen too is um, Zeus tricked them as well. Yes, saying, "Oh, you should have the underworld. Look at all the riches the Earth has, and stuff like that." Yes. You'll have a full-time job worrying about the souls and things like that. He's like, yeah. you don't want to be the king of the sky. There's nothing up here, nothing to do. Right. So Zeus kind of pulled shitty used car salesmen on him. Yeah, Pretty like, much. Zeus was yeah. Zeus. And just, you know, Zeus was everything. Zeus. Yeah. Hmm. That is one theme that we simply... I just think we're never going to get away with as we dive into this series is Zeus will be Zeus. And it's, it's ridiculous yeah. how much he has impacted and like you would think that somebody on his level would be um regarded as i guess you could say like the the god or like the, the holier than thou like how we view like the christian god but they really spared no expense when they were showing like the flaws in zeus no that's any of them really none of them really were perfect i think we kind of touched on that the last time too is they all had very human characteristics, like much more than other religions or cultures back in that time. Yeah. They very much took the, um, we were made in the image of gods mm -hmm. aspect of religion for it. Right. Just to simplify their day-to-day -day lives and justify a lot of their life and stuff like that. Yeah. Hmm. Hey. Sorry for the background noise. I, I just recognized <laughs> your parents' voices. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. I, I, didn't, I did not realize that they were uh, right there. <laughs> I was moving about and then, yeah, sorry about that. You're good. I was just uh, doing a quick Google search, Stephen, because you had asked if there were any other gods. Just quick search came up and said that Zeus banished Ixion from Olympus and sent him to the underworld because he lusted after Hera. I don't know who Ixion is, though, but apparently he was somebody that was on Olympus. He lusted after Hera, and Zeus was like, no, no, you're not going to covet my wife, but I'll covet every other lady out there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's ironic. I was going to say, yeah. Very hypocritical. 
But yeah, so Zeus kicked him down to the underworld for some okay. reason. Interesting. I, I had a feeling that there had to be more than one. Yeah, Ixalan is actually the son of Ares. Thank you. Okay. Oh, okay. And he was the king of the Lapis, which is one of the most ancient tribes of Thessaly. Okay. This is sounding vaguely familiar. Yes. It, it, there's a whole lot of other things he did. Uh, apparently he killed his father-in-law. And he was uh, shunned and guilty of first man kinslaying. Or he was reckoned the first man guilty of kinslaying in Greek mythology. Ooh, which okay. Was a big no-no for them. Right. And I guess Zeus took pity on him and introduced him to Olympus and brought him to the table of the gods. And instead of being, you know, happy, like, oh, I have forgiveness, he started to get horny for Hera. He started to get horny <laughs> for Hera. So, I love the alliteration. <laughs> yeah. So much adultery and, like, lust and... Oh, it's ridiculous. A bunch of horny folks. They were yeah. very primal back then. Trapped on a mountain, I guess it yeah. happens to the best of us. I, and, and I you can think. you can see the definite change when they switch over to their Roman counterparts. Oh yeah, yeah. goes they from lose, they lose the a lot on the road to the man in a suit and tie. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe I do need to st- study more Roman because I am not not. I, I guess. Quite honestly, I just understood the Greek equivalents, and I, I probably naive, naively assumed that they just copy and pasted. But is that not the case? To an extent, they copy pasted, but like Cliff Notes copy pasted. Okay. So that's actually something that is brought up in one of the things that I wanted to talk about. Um, I'm just going to hijack the conversation for a second here. <laughs> have, have um how many of you guys have read the Percy Jackson books by Rick Riordan? Me. I know you. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the movie but never the the books. Oh. The movie. Oh. 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 Same. Only the movies, movie. no books. No, the movies no. No. <laughs> uh, they were horrible, and I, we're not going to start talking about them because I, I, <laughs> I actually cried. I think I actually cried during the second. No, Gordon, I will so, come up and stab you. Do we have uh, a three, <laughs> three versus three right now? <laughs> Honestly, Gordon, I'll tie you to a, the crow's nest and leave you there for like a week. One on top of the building. <laughs> my yeah, the one sister, on top of the I, building. You know, I'm pretty sure my sister and I like actually cried tears of anger and sorrow the movies were that bad oh they're absolutely wretched and horrible and oh my god no wretched i haven't heard that word in ages <laughs> I, you're very <laughs> passionate about this since the 80s <laughs> oh my god um literally anybody who is a percy jackson fan and I, I count that as only fans of the book because if you're a fan of the movie you're not actually a percy jackson fan i'm sorry but the movies are that terrible um like every, everyone hates them they I... they literally took the ideas they didn't listen they didn't acknowledge their source material properly they did not respect their source material um you can tell in the first movie they tried to just make a blockbuster movie and hash out a bunch of things that happened across all five books. When you, 
when the way that they did it they really couldn't make the sequels because they messed up too many of the details and when they made the second one they tried to go back and fix it but you can only go back and retcon so much um it's horrible if you guys have the opportunity to read the books i highly recommend them they are middle grade readers but they are fabulous like i i'm in the process of rereading them right now actually um but this brings me to why i brought them up right now as you were just talking about the roman versions of the gods are kind of copy paste but things were changed the Percy Jackson books, there actually are, last time I checked, three series that are all, like, sequels of each other. So the first one is Percy Jackson and the Olympians, which is about the Greek gods. When you get, and there's five books in that. When you get to the second series, it's the Heroes of Olympus series. And that expands and actually explores the differences between the Greek and Roman sides of the gods. There's five books in that series as well. Mm. And you find out, so just a very quick summary for anybody who's not familiar with the books. Um, it's about children who are demigods. So one parent is one of the Greek gods and another one is a mortal parent. Um, they get sent to Camp Half-Blood to train because monsters will sniff them out and attack them. So in the first series, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, you have Camp Half-Blood. That's the Greek camp. As far as you know, that's the only camp that exists. When you get to Heroes of Olympus, you find out, um, Dylan Delaney, do either of you remember what the Roman camp place Jupiter. was? Yep, Camp Jupiter. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> there is actually on the on the West Coast, so Camp Half-Blood's on the East Coast, um, Camp Jupiter's on the West Coast. They're not supposed to interact with each other. So the gods also have children from their Roman halves. And that particular series explores the differences between the two. Oh. Wow. Yeah, because they end up actually working together. Yeah, the, the Greek and Roman have to work together. But the versions that they know of the gods, so you could have someone who is... Um, actually, they do. They ha they have someone who is a child of Zeus, and then they have someone who is a child of Jupiter. They're brother it's and sister. Their brother and sister, but their powers and the way that they know their father is slightly different because in Greek mythology, the child of Zeus, Zeus is more of a player, is a little bit more, um, a little bit more reckless. The Roman counterparts of all the gods are more focused on war and are a little bit more organized. Strategic. Yeah. So you actually, they, they actually explore this in the two camps, the way that the children are taught as well, and the way they interact with each other. They don't like each other. Like, they're taught that um, the other ones are wrong, that they're bad, and all this stuff. The third series, I've only read one book in because it, it lost my attention a little bit, but I kind of want to go back and read it. But I'm I'm not going to touch on that because I, I don't know enough about what that one is right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're extremely well written. Um, Dylan, you mentioned in for Hephaestus, the myth where he created the net to capture Aphrodite and Ares um, when they were having one of their affairs. In the first Percy Jackson book, they actually talk about that. Um, Ares and Aphrodite were 
they they realized that there was a trap and they left in the middle of their date and Ares challenges Percy and his friends while they're on a quest to go get his shield for him and they actually get caught in the net because he tricked them to go trigger Hephaestus's trap so that Ares didn't do it himself so the books play off of the original myths very well so if you if you know the original myths even just a little bit as you're reading the books you're going to be like oh my god that's um you know that's that myth that's Medusa's in the first book um Delaney you're rereading them right now too aren't you I haven't started them yet I do really need to I'll probably end up starting tomorrow actually okay yeah I've only I've only finished the lightning thief and I I think I started Sea of Monsters but I haven't had time to read it again they're not very long but I mean you guys I if you're into Greek mythology like you you need to read them I mean even if you're not into Greek mythology it's something that can get you into it because I wasn't into it when I started reading them and then I was like obsessed with them yeah yeah and Delaney, that was going to be my next question to you, because at the end of the first part of the series, we kind of did a roundtable and how people got introduced to mythology and what made you hooked or want to, you know, be invested in it. Would you say this series of books is what got you into mythology? Definitely, without a doubt, because awesome. I mean, Rick Riordan, he has his Greek mythology, he does Egyptian mythology and Roman mythology. And he did Norse. And he has Norse. Norse. Yeah. And I mean, all of them have been pretty good so far. So I would definitely say that he's the reason that I like mythology in general. That's good to know. I we love you, Rick. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Rick. Come on the podcast. You're never gonna stop loving you, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just do a Vine reference? Because I love you for that. Maybe. <laughs> I'll throw my eight. I'm not shy. I'm not shy. Um, I do have to say, and Carmen, maybe this is where you and I can get a little bit of grace from the three uh, book, uh, uh, Percy Jackson book aficionados. Uh-huh. I'm I'm a big fan of the uh, film Perks of Being a Wallflower. I read the book. When it became a movie, I was super excited. And Logan mm-hmm. Lerman is the main character that got the role for the film. And okay. that is, that's truly a film that like stayed to script, stayed to book. I honestly only showed up at the Percy Jackson premiere because it was Logan Lerman. I didn't really know anything about, I, I was basically going to the movie for the actor. So gotcha, in gotcha. my, in my defense and maybe karma's defense, it just was one of those things where the marketing and everything in the cast hit right. And I'm like, I'm going to go. I, mean, I, w- I wish I would have went in knowing that the books were so good. Yeah. The lady you- just did a little happy dance when you mentioned all of that, like just a little like yeah, Logan Lerman. <laughs> Logan Lerman's yeah. the best. I he I, actually I did play a very good Percy. I will admit it. I'm not gonna lie, he's okay. He just wasn't written correctly for it, it, it to match the can, book. But but can I bring up a pet peeve that I have? You always have a pet peeve. Yeah. Yes, let's listen. <laughs> okay, so at an interview with the the cast members. Um, a fan stood up and asked him if he liked blue food, and he didn't understand what that meant. So, so he knew he knew he did not do any research on his character. He did not read how like he how didn't long read it would have the books. Taken him to read the entire book series in between filming. 
all he would have had to have done was read the first book to have understood the blue food reference. Well, yeah. can I can I ask you? Can I not that I'm defend? I understand yeah, yeah, yeah. that you are a script aficionado, and I respect that a hundred and ten percent. Because I think you know you and I have always had a passion about writing. I get it. Yeah, I don't necessarily know that he really had a lot of options and time because I don't think oh, yeah. anybody. I don't think anybody was expecting perks of the wolf perks of a wallflower to blow up the way it did, and I'm pretty sure his production manager, or I guess just manager, it wouldn't be a production manager, got him a shitload of deals for different mo- movies, and he was just like, "Holy crap! Holy crap! Sign my name! Sign my name!" <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, and to be, to be fair, like <sighs> I, I I'm kind of tearing into him and he's not the actual one that i'm mad at you're mad at the script um, writers I, i'm mad at the script writers i'm mad at the casting directors because they in my opinion who yes delaney i understand what you mean he did do a good percy had percy been older yeah they cast mm. everyone they cast everyone too old in the first book they're all 12 and that's oh, actually, God. that's that's important i also don't think they thought they were going to be doing more than another movie like we said yeah. Like you said, they went for a blockbuster film. They didn't do what like Harry Potter did. They didn't yeah. aim to do all the books. They didn't like Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit or whatnot. They didn't really aim to do more than just one movie and see where it went from there. Yeah. Now I do have to. Hold on, I gotta Google something. Um. While you're looking that up, I was just gonna jump in real quick just to kind of play devil's advocate. Um, having not read the books and knowing a little bit of what I know behind the scenes is perhaps they had to cast older due to like child labor laws in Hollywood. So Mm. it again may have been something that was a behind the scenes that yeah, it doesn't fit in with the books necessarily, but for their bottom line, it may have made more sense. Yeah. And I mean, I, I do, I get that too, but my other thing, part of my problem with it is, Um, so Disney owns the publishing house, um, that does these books. It's Hyperion, I believe. So Disney Plus has picked it up and they are currently writing a TV series based on it. Um, Rick Riordan is writing the script because that's the other, this is the other problem with the ones who made the movie. They could have aged everyone up and they could have made it all work and it would have been okay. They didn't listen to the author at all. Mm. Like he, he's come out multiple times and said they completely disregarded everything that he he told them how to make it work with what they were doing. And they didn't pay attention or listen. They didn't. Mm. They didn't listen to anything. We don't stand that on this podcast. You listen to the writers. Yes. Yeah. Because if he has man a very... sell that many books. He has a listen to him. Yeah, he has a very loyal fan base. He is very interactive with his fan base. Well, so, fun fact, do we know why he wrote the first Percy Jackson series? I do, actually. Do you want to talk about it? or you, No, you can bring it up. This is your subject and stuff like that. But it's always okay. been a fact that made me realize when I found that out after reading the second series and noticing differences in it and stuff like that, that made me realize why the first series was so good. Okay, so as I remember, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong with any of this, so I'm going to give you guys a little bit more um, character history first before I explain this. So the in the books, all of the demigod or all of the um, 
all the kids have ADHD and dyslexia. If they are um, a demigod, they that's one of the biggest um, signs is ADHD and dyslexia. The reasons that are given for this are dyslexia. Um, it's because they their brains are more um, wired to read ancient Greek. So it manifests as dyslexia when they're trying to read in any other language. And ADHD, they said they're hardwired for battle, so they can't sit still. Oh. He he used those two things because um, I, I don't remember if he has a son or a daughter. His his child. He has both. He he might have both. I don't remember which one the story was for though, or if it was for both of them. I'm not sure. For one his, of his daughter. Okay, whichever child it was has ADHD and dyslexia and he wanted to write a story for that child where the main characters had those quote unquote disabilities and they wow. weren't a bad thing. Normalization. That's, how, that's mm -hmm. how this series came to be. That's beautiful. And <laughs> that it like Dylan said, that's shown very strongly in the first series it kind of fades off a little bit in the second one it's still there but it's not the me it's not it, it, he I, doesn't have the same passion with it as he, he did before like it, you can tell, it's still yeah. there yes but it doesn't carry the same weight and feeling as the first series does right but he but he also touches on a lot of other normalizing a lot of other subjects that are either taboo or are not shown in either a positive or just a normal light yeah so he has um he shows lgbt characters he has um characters he very a very diverse cast racially um what other things am i missing guys because there's a couple other things he brought in I, I can't. He also brings in a lot of family drama and addressing issues within family. Yeah, yes. Like like, that, that's a very big thing is just like working and, out with yeah. a crappy family. Yeah, good and bad because like there are some who have very bad home situations. Um, there are it's ones... A, oh, go on. I was going to say, I, his key focus is representation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, it's, an done, and it's, it's done respectfully. It's not done. It's not shoved down your throat and into your face. Yeah, it's not. It's not shoved down your throat, and it's not done to sell books. Like that's not why it's there. I want to put a pin in this because I want to have a short discussion when we get back. I want to have a short discussion about representation in media and why that something i never understood until i did and i'd like to have a round table this we, we may get off the greek mythology path path on that one but then i want to immediately get back into your topic like i said about greek mythology in media but before before we do that i think we're at the time where we need to take a quick ad break so we're gonna hear from our sponsor and we will be right back to keep up with mythology part two and we're back all right, Lizette, I like the direction you're heading. I really want to get into Greek mythology 
and the representation in media that it's had. So tell me what you got. All right. So we've touched on Percy Jackson. Um, I don't I don't want to get into that too much more and spoil anything for you guys. Basically, um, you need to read it. That's we're just going <laughs> to um, you, you can get the uh, the box set of the first series of Percy Jackson and the Olympians for um, it wasn't too it wasn't too expensive. Delaney, you and I got the hardcover box set, but I think you can get the paperback box set for it was like under 40 bucks yeah it was like maybe 30 at max for the paperbacks and i think we spent less than 50 on the hardcovers yeah so definitely look into getting them and reading them um a couple other recent books that she and i have read that were either modern retellings or just retellings in general of greek mythology um circe by Madeline Miller is one that I really, really enjoyed. Now, Delaney, you weren't really feeling this one when you went to read it. Yeah, I couldn't finish it. I guess I just wasn't in the right base to read it. Yeah, it's um, it, it's definitely more of a it's a slower book. It twisted a couple myths together that I don't think were originally connected. But I really, I really like the way it was done. It, it is definitely not fast paced or action packed. But if you want to read more about, um, kind of, I, I guess she would be more of a background character in Greek mythology. Yeah, I, I definitely recommend that one. Um, another and, one. Oh, sorry. what were you gonna say? No, you're fine. That that one touches on like heavier topics. Yes, it, like, it's definitely in topics. It touches on more than like Percy Jackson or the next one that you're going to talk about. Yeah, I, I guess I should specify what sections of the bookstore you would find each of them into, and it will make a little bit more sense. So Percy Jackson is a middle grade reader. Cersei is in the adult fiction section. Mm. So and it, and it is more of an adult retelling. So it deals with, um. I'm trying to remember the words I'm allowed to use. <laughs> Usually you just use the first word of the word and then we're safe. Like R word if somebody was R worded. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay so that was one of the things. Yes. Yeah, some things like that happen. Um, so definitely deal like, like Delaney said, it deals with heavier topics. Um, they don't, it, it doesn't go into detail. But it definitely talks about trauma mm. from from those events, and you see how it changes the main character. Handled very well, in my opinion. Um, now, the next one that I want to talk about, Delaney and I both really enjoyed this one. This is in the teen section. So, a little bit more mature than Percy Jackson, but nowhere near as heavy in topics as Cersei. Um, this one is called Daughter of Sparta. It is by Claire Andrews. Um, and this one we came across because Delaney bought a subscription to, it's just called Book Box, right? It's Once Upon a Book Club, I believe. I okay. Think that, yeah, Once Upon a Book Club. Okay. So do you want to explain it, what the book club is, or do you want me to explain it? Um, uh, explain it. Okay. So, um, once upon a book club, I actually found it on Facebook, and um, 
it, they send you a monthly book and in this box you get um i want to say roughly five um gifts that go with the book so as you reach a certain page in the book um it'll tell you to open so and so gift and it has to do with that part of the book that you're in um so i've gotten probably about four so far um mm -hmm. and i've gotten i don't know clothes necklaces bracelets um i got soap in one of them that is supposed to smell like one of the characters that was pretty neat wow yeah kind of creepy i i love my <laughs> book box um because they send you like hints so you can kind of know what you're expecting or you can be completely surprised either way um i like knowing what i'm gonna get i'm a little picky about that but um i've loved everything that i've gotten so far and it's really kind of changed what i've been reading um, now it is all young adult books, which I like. So, yeah, because they they have two different subscriptions that you can do. So you can do young adult, or you can do the adult books. Yeah, and I I think they said you're allowed to switch back and forth between them. You just have to email them. Like if the adult so book sounds more interesting to you that month, you can email them and say, hey, I want this this box instead of the young adult. And they'll switch it up for you on that month. They seem like really um, good with their customer service. You like you can even skip a month. Like if the book doesn't sound interesting to you or just uh, just not something that you think you'll read, they um they'll save your payment for the next month. What was it? What was the name of this subscription service? Since we, it's um, once upon a book club. Okay. Well. Since we basically just did a full ad read for them, I'm going to be sending them an email. <laughs> anyway, it sounds interesting, though. Yeah, so that um, this Daughter of Sparta book is the first one that Delaney got. It was, was this what kind of sparked your interest in signing up for them, too? Yeah, um, I found it. Like I said, I found it on Facebook, and the hint came up, and I saw that it was Greek mythology. And I sent it to Lysette, and I was like, we need to look into this. Like, <laughs> we gotta look into it. Yeah. So, did you read, you read this book in a day, or was it two days? It was a day. It was a few hours. And it yeah. is... Pages, okay. We're looking at 400 pages, roughly. That's okay. all? Yeah. yeah roughly it's, not, it's not yeah. too bad. Cool. Um, so, I guess we should probably tell them what this book is about probably be a good idea um all right i'll try and sum it up from what i remember because you so delaney and i have read a bunch of books since we read this so our memory of it is a little bit fuzzy we just know that we both really enjoyed it um was the main character daphne daphne yes okay so th this is actually a retelling of the daphne and apollo myth but it is very heavily interwoven with other myths. So something was going on and the gods were losing their powers. I don't remember what was happening. Um, and I think it would be a spoiler even if I did remember. <laughs> so she is sent out on a mission to go get nine things that the gods have lost and return them to Olympus. And Apollo accompanies her on this journey. Um, 
And as they go, she starts to learn some stuff about her past. She learns stuff about the gods. And like, like we said, it's a um, it's a young adult, like a teen fantasy book. It is written very well. Um, it took me a little while to get into it, mostly because I was trying to read it at work and I didn't really, I, I kept getting interrupted, but I really enjoyed it too. Those customers come in while you're working. Oh no, I wasn't working at the store. I was working somewhere else. Oh, barely. <laughs> this was when I was working at that place that's next to you guys' house. But anyway. Um, so yeah, so those are our main Greek retellings that we've read recently. Um, I feel like I'm missing one, Delaney. Did, did anything come to mind for you? Not that I can think of. I do want to say, though, that I think from the three that we've talked about, one of, like, the main themes in them have been family. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because in Daughter of Sparta, I mean, she goes on this journey for her brother. Yeah, cool. that's right. Title is Daughter as well, which is... A... Yeah. Yeah. And Cersei, the, there is a very heavy theme in Cersei about family as well because she comes from um, a very twisted and kind of dark family and chooses to make her own when she gets to her island like trying to find people that she belongs with so yeah you, you, that's actually a really good point yeah um and i guess the only other thing that i really wanted to talk about since we've been talking about greek mythology so much i wanted to talk about it in video games a little bit um there's a game that i recently finished playing that i really really enjoyed it's um immortals phoenix rising I don't know if any of you guys have any of you guys heard of that about that one. No, I don't think I have. No, came out and I forgot. Drew said he had gotten it. Yeah. So it's a little bit more cartoony. Like it has a T rating. There are definitely some adult jokes in there. Like Drew and I were near tears a couple times with some of the stuff that they got away with saying. Like it was so funny. Um, the whole game is being narrated by Zeus and Prometheus, and they are taking jabs at each other. Like, you're playing the game, but they're narrating what you're doing. Oh. And it's, it's hysterical. Um, so the character, the character that you're playing, you can choose if, um, it's a male or female. But the character's name is Phoenix, and the entire world has been, like, all of the mortals have been turned to stone because, um, oh, shoot, who is it? I gotta look up who the main villain is, because I do not remember. But basically, you have to go see uh, Typhon. Typhon is the main the main villain, so he's turned all of the mortals to stone, and you have four gods that you have to save, so you have to go and save Athena, Aphrodite, Ares, and Hephaestus. Um, Typhon has transformed all four of them into, like, he's, he's stolen their essence. And, she, and locked them into different forms. So, like, Aphrodite is locked into the form of an apple tree. Um, Hephaestus is an automaton. 
Athena is in the body of a child and Ares is in a chicken is a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's uh, on top of the fact that it is just it is very entertaining. It is very funny. Um, it, it was a very fun game to play. I actually beat it. It didn't take me too long to get through it. And then I, I bought all of the DLC because I enjoyed it that much. I haven't finished playing through that part of it. Um, but um, what else was there with that one? I don't know. It, it, like I said, it's a it's rated T, so it's something younger kids would enjoy. The It has a very um, bright color palette to it. But mm-hmm. there's definitely adult humor in there. So it, it's something that I feel like just about everybody appreciate and enjoy yes yeah okay um and i mean as far as other video games you do have the god of war series that does talk about um greek mythology a lot there was Mm -hmm. an assassin's creed game that touched on i think it was more of the roman side of things um or was it greek Greek. odyssey odyssey It, it was greek Okay. I actually have the game right here in front of me. Give me a second. I, I couldn't remember. It's been a while since I played it. Because um, it was Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So I yeah. think it, it leaned a lot more. Okay. Um. And yeah, I mean, the the rest of it, the Greek mythology is extremely prevalent in media in general right now. Anyway, I mean, there was... I think there was a Netflix show. There's been a couple Netflix shows that have come up recently that have been either very heavily influenced by it or just doing full-on retellings as well. So it's something that it's really hard to get away from Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. It's that heavily woven into our media right now. And I, I feel like it has been for a long time. Look at Clash of the Titans for yep. movies. Yeah. Somebody to me the premise of that because i've heard a lot about it i have yet to see it or read it can somebody like run me through what that's all about um, oh hang on so there I, was a... i was gonna say whoever wants to take it away i know the ba- basic premise of either one of them i haven't yeah. watched it in a long time i enjoyed it but it's been it's been a while so hang on a second I like all three <laughs> of them they're all very enjoyable you have your original Clash of the Titans, then you have the remake, and then you have the sequel to the remake called Wrath of the Titans, I believe? Yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't watch the sequel. I watched the 2010 remake of Clash of the Titans. So it's basically, um, I, I'll read you off IMDb's little summary. So Perseus, a demigod and the son of Zeus, battles the minions of Hades in the underworld in order to stop them from conquering Olympus and Earth. Oh. You have, um, in in the remake, it's Sam Worthington is playing Perseus. They have a a really good cast for it, honestly. Like, Liam Neeson is Zeus. Oh, Um, wow. Ralph, I I can't ever say his name right. Voldemort is playing Hades. Uh, Chris playing I, Hades. That's he has a nose though. It's the person being a god, right? He has a nose this time. 
That's a pretty good get, though. I mean, like, that's... Yeah, you have Luke Evans is Apollo. Um, Liam Cunningham, who plays in um, Game of Thrones, uh-huh. is one of the side characters. You have Nicholas Holt. Um, like, they, they have a good cast for this. Hmm. It may be worth a watch is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I mean, it's, don't get me wrong, it's not, like, anything super crazy, but it is enjoyable. Ralph like, Finesse. Sorry, I had to look it up. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Speaking on movies and stuff, there's actually another, it's more, um, it's a rated R movie called The Immortals. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see that in Greek times. The guy that played um, Superman, can't remember his yes. name. Henry Cavill. There it is. Henry Cavill. Yeah. Uh, I honestly yeah. didn't realize it was him the first time I'm around. I watched it because this was before he got big. He plays the main character, but it's basically following Theseus, who was chosen by Zeus to lead a small fight against King Hyperion, mm-hmm. who is uh, currently rampaging across Greece. It's good, mindless. Action and fun, the style of the cinematography on it and stuff like that is really good. I love like the colors they used for it. On a side note, Luke Evans also plays in Immortals, but he's playing Zeus this time instead of Apollo. Interesting. Um, I have another book to add in, it's one that I've had in my Amazon cart for a while, and I haven't actually picked it up but I've been meaning to. It's a a modern retelling, but it's like a modern, like historical fiction kind of retelling. Mm -hmm. So it's basically like set in modern day England and the gods and goddesses of Olympus are obviously no longer relevant. So they now are taking up residence in England. And is it it gods behaving badly? Yes. It's also in my cart. I've been wanting to get it too. (laughs) But like the reviews of it are hilarious. Like here's a review that says, since they're no longer deities, uh, they have fallen out of the limelight. The gods have to pick up some occupations to keep themselves busy. Eros is a born-again Christian, attends church regularly, and is even considering joining the priesthood. Uh, Dionysus runs a seedy bar. He's a rather hot DJ, and he serves plenty of his famous wine. Aphrodite, true to her nature, has taken on the job of a phone sex operator, And then Artemis is no longer able to hunt, so she's a professional dog walker. Uh, Apollo, aside from being charming and chasing Aphrodite, is now his own star of his own TV show as a TV psychic. Ooh. Yeah. And so, yeah, and then it's up to two humans to try to save the world, basically. These two, like, everyday humans are trying to save the world somehow. But it, it sounds absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I, I've picked it up at the store a couple times, and then I've always, I, I've set it back down in favor of some other things, but it's been on my list for a while, too. Um, and since yeah, it you seems, oh, it seems like it's a, be like, a, it seems like it'd be like a light, easy read, like, yes. not too heavy, so if somebody's, like, like, interested for something that, like, would be quick and funny and witty, that might be a good one. Yeah. Um, and then there are two other books that have come out recently that I wanted to mention. I haven't had a chance to read these, but they're also on my list. Um, Ariadne, mm-hmm. which is a retelling um, by Jennifer Saint. 
And then another, mm. the other one is um, A Thousand Ships by Natalie Haynes, and that is about the Siege of Troy. Mm-hmm. So both of those have excellent reviews. I'm looking at the reviews on Amazon right now. A Thousand Ships has over 2,500 reviews, and it's at four and a half stars. Ariadne has over a thousand reviews, and it's also sitting at four and a half stars. So. Mm. On the topic of books, I do also have a book series to bring up. It's not just Greek mythology. It's called The Iron Druid. And it actually pretty much has all of the different religions and mythologies existing, coexisting at the same time. Interesting. Kind of interacting with each other in different ways, following the last uh, Celtic Druid left alive <laughs> after the um, purge of them. Yeah. Fantastic read. I've mentioned it multiple times. I'm sorry. <laughs> Which you actually just brought me back to something with Percy Jackson that I wanted to mention. I forgot to earlier. So we did mention how um, Rick Riordan's main book series is Percy Jackson and all of the Greek. Like the, You can tell that that's definitely his favorite. But he has also written about the Egyptian and the Norse as well. Something that you may not realize, at least not until you start branching out and reading the Egyptian and Norse series, um, they all take place simultaneously, all of his book series. The characters will occasionally cross paths, and I feel like he's building to a really big crossover on them all, but I, I don't know if he's given up on that or if he's still building to it. I've been waiting for it for about 10 years. So, and 12 years? He's coming out with a new one about mermaids, actually. Oh, I did not. Mm. Wait, wait. Didn't I send that to you? I sent that to you because I was like, super excited about it because it's mermaids. Okay. Yay, fish people. <laughs> he is branch. Like, he does branch out every now and then and, like, touch on new things. But the fact that they're all set in the same. So, um,. The main character of the Norse books, his name is Magnus Chase. He is the cousin of one of the main characters in the Percy Jackson series, which is Annabeth Chase, like the, their first cousins. Um, the main characters in Percy Jackson, he, he wrote a few short stories where they cross paths with the main characters of the Egyptian series and they actually fight each other because I think that that was something that fans were talking about, like who was stronger and they end up having to call it a draw to help each other because, like, there's some big bad guy that's attacking them. Now, those were only ebooks, like, they were just real quick snippets. But, um, in those ebooks, at the end of them, the main characters actually exchanged ways to contact each other and were like, hey, if you're ever in a really bad spot, Use this and I'll come help you. And that's what has me thinking that he's building towards something. Well, it was also in the first Egyptian book. Mm -hmm. The two main characters were asking about something across the river. And the guy at the time said, oh, oh you right. don't worry about the lands across the river. Those are two Those are other powers else. and yeah. other beings of this world. We don't worry about that. Yeah, because they also look out their window at one point and they're like, I think. I saw a flying horse and it's like yeah that was something else was going on over there <laughs> so he definitely does a couple like cheeky references to his other books 
So there is another book. It's not required. It's actually by the same author that wrote Cersei, um, The Song of Achilles. Oh, yeah. I've wanted to read that one. Um, has anyone read it? No. I no. I've heard really good things about it. It's been in my cart for like forever, and I'm really tempted to buy it after talking about all of our other books. <laughs> <laughs> you would be the first person to buy something after one of these recordings. Right? <laughs> Just add it to our massive to be read pile. <laughs> yes. Just keeps growing. <laughs> but now I, I've definitely heard some really, really good things about Song of Achilles. So it's mm. been on my list as well. And after reading Cersei, since it's the same author, I'm inclined to read that one. Let's just make a bookstore trip. We can do that. <laughs> be done I mean, I, I, it's not like I didn't just do that like two weeks ago. But mm -hmm. I can do, an I can do another one. Drew doesn't have to know. <laughs> Gordon, sounds like it's time for us to learn how to read. Yeah, my they have audio books for everything, guys. Three, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to join you guys, but I'll listen. No, it's okay. Percy Jackson starts at, like, grade five, so you only Perfect. have to... Perfect. Not third grade level. You just have to advance a little bit. Sometimes we have to challenge ourselves, Gord. We have to... I am very challenged, so trust me, it's asking a lot. Hey, we'll get there eventually, buddy. Thank you for being with me. I just, I like, I, I think the whole drip down effect that greek mythology has had on all forms of media is kind of wild i mean if you think about the time in which they lived compared to now it's amazing how these stories are so timeless they're still getting recreated they're still getting retold mm -hmm. it's and that's why i think we all kind of had a, a little bit of a string between us where we all related to the subject matter i um i don't know i I have more reading and watching to do than I have time to do, but I love it. So I can't, I feel like I can't consume enough Greek mythology related media. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, while I was making notes and looking, trying to find what other Greek mythology books I've read, definitely didn't just make a wish list on Amazon of like. <laughs> seven okay. new books that i want to right <laughs> link it we'll link it in the bio below and any of our listeners that are feeling generous can help you with your wish list <laughs> just do ebooks so they're all cheaper anyway right so exactly mm -hmm. exactly nothing, nothing too bad help feed our addiction it's fine it's an addiction. if you, you want to get me the, the actual like. yeah if you want to get me the actual physical book that would be nice because I am definitely a book dragon and books are the thing that I hoard, but that's another story. <laughs> you yeah. just referred like, to yourself yeah. as a book dragon? Yes. Yeah, I love it. Wait, Delaney, what did you say? majority of this family, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So I found these book embossers. I think that's what they're called. Oh, yeah. And going to buy them for us. Yeah. I forgot we talked about that. We do need those. Yeah. So, so it's, a, it's a... um. It's like a seal that she would get customized with each of our names on it so that we could use it on the first page and that way we'd be able to tell and remember whose book is whose because we trade books back and forth so much. Yeah. I mean, I think that'd be very fitting. I think it might be a good investment. Yeah. I want his face on it. I want his face on it. I want my dog's face on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, my. well, that can, that can be yours, Dylan. Exactly. Mine, That's mine, my name on it. 
Mine can be mine can be Darcy's face. Oh god. Aww. Okay. Okay. <laughs> let's let's steer back to a different direction. Lainey's <laughs> would just be her face. No, That's it would fair. be a goat. Yes. Wearing a dress. Yes. <laughs> could be Juniper. I would do that. Yes. I do love the fact, Delaney, if you can share a little bit about it with us. Like I love the fact that you do raise goats. We're totally getting off the mythology thing here. Like, no, goats what are all... very widely used in Greek mythology. Okay, yes. so it's a tie-in. Like, can you like tell us what it's like to be a goat mom? I mean, it's kind of the same as a dog mom. Goats are just like bigger dogs sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I have about thirty-five of them. Oh my gosh, sounds crazy, um, but I swear it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's like I said, crazy. it's like owning a dog. Okay, out of more annoying dog. And not to like out you on social media, but like you show them and you're like in competitions with them and stuff. Yeah, I do. Um, so I I breed them for show. So I have I couldn't even tell you how many grand and reserve ribbons I have hanging in my room right now. Um, but that's been a project that I've worked for for five years now. Um, so I mean I milk them, I bottle feed all of the babies. Um, this last year, I want to say I had 35 babies that rotated their way through our house. My and goodness. then moved outside. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Can I <laughs> bottle feed a goat when I come down and visit next time? Um, I will let you know when kidding season is. And then, yes, definitely. I'm planning my trip specifically around. I love all of you, but I'm planning my trip around that. <laughs> See, I'm more important than you, Liza. <laughs> well, wow, it's kind of, thank it's, you. It's kind, of, it's kind of the goats, but yes, you too. <laughs> Even, it's at my house, so it's okay. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, I, I just, I have a lot of respect for what you do. And I think that we need to give you a proper introduction episode now that you've gotten the feel for how the show goes. I, uh, a lot of what we do here is we try to destigmatize the term nerd. And we're a bunch quite, of nerds. Quite honestly, we, we're taking the word back. And I kind of think you're a goat nerd and I want to hear about it. I am. Yeah, I am. Definitely am. <laughs> and I think that I would love to have you back in a place where we can talk about that. And we also need to talk about Renaissance Fair. There's just, there's more to do than there is time to do the things to do if that makes sense yeah but i think this is a good place to leave mythology part two um we are going to do a part three and i think that'll probably wrap the series um but i just want to thank all of you guys for being here and for your contributions and i think it's it's really interesting in the way that mythology and specifically greek mythology has influenced our lives and impacted us it's astounding and i love the fact that we're doing like a deep dive on it so i want to thank you all for being here i want to thank you guys for listening those of you at home um we have so many ways for you to contact us and we want you to do that we have a discord server we have a subreddit if you're listening on spotify right now you can join in on our q a polls uh we'd love to hear from you if you're listening on anchor you can text us and respond to the video, or you can even drop us a voice memo that could be featured in the next episode. We love to hear it. We want to hear back from you. We are truly trying to build a community. And 
like I said, destigmatize the word nerds. We're all nerds about something. And I think we're part of the whole movement of taking it back and reclaiming our uh, geeky, dorky little quirks that we all have in our personality. And I love to see it. Uh, with that, I also want to thank Anchor because without them, this would not be the – we wouldn't be able to do it because they're sponsoring the show. And if you're ever considering making a podcast, please go through Anchor. They helped us tremendously. They made the process super easy. Uh, if you have no plans on New Year's Eve, because, you know, we're, we're still kind of in that weird in-between phase where I don't know about you guys, like on the cast – I, I'm not really comfortable going out to large gatherings. What What do you guys think? Like, I, I'm still not there yet. Sometimes I get it depends. Depends. Yeah. On there. I can be coerced if there's food. It's <laughs> work in a casino, therefore I am a large gathering. <laughs> exactly. It's it's tough, and I'm. I think I'm. I, despite my personality test results, I'm more introverted than I care to admit, or that test told me I was. So we are having, and you're going to hear the ad for it at the end of this episode, we are having a New Year's Eve special. We are going to be going live for the first time ever. It's going to be the wrap-up of Season 1. It's uh, on Green Room, which, if you don't know, Spotify bought Anchor, and Spotify has a side app called Green Room. You'll be able to text us in the chat. You'll be able to join in on the conversation. And we're going to be ringing in the new year together in a low-key, safe way. So if you are, you know, maybe you don't want to go out because of everything going on in the world, or you just are truly an introvert, introvert like us, please come to the live event. We would love to see you. We'd love to interact with our fans, people that are listening. I hate the term fan. At this point, I feel like if you're listening to this podcast on a regular basis, you're basically our friend. We just need we're to know you. You're our family. Come yeah. join us. Join anyone could have sorry join the shit show join the discord i we love to see it we love to have you um aside from that we have a new schedule so speakeasily productions is going to be releasing specific speakeasily podcasts on mondays the long past recordings are going to be going up on wednesdays like mythology part two part three and then the next series we tackle will always be on wednesdays and then our regular episodes are going to go down to one on Fridays, just covering basic stuff like favorite superheroes, favorite villains. We still need to do our Harry Potter series. We need to wrap up Star Wars. There's a lot going on, but it's an exciting time because the content is growing. Our cast is growing. I think it's the best, it's, it's the best group of people for the vision that I think we all share. And we want you to be a part of it. So make sure you like, you subscribe, you ring the bell, leave us a rate, leave us a review. Podcast analytics are really tough right now. They don't have a lot going on. So the five-star review and the write-up review help us tremendously. So with that being said, I do want to hint at what our next poll is going to be. We touched on it earlier, but I want to dedicate an episode where we talk about representation in media. This is a term that was lost on me. Until it happens to you, until you see yourself reflected on the TV screen, the movie screen, whatever the case may be, you don't realize how important it is to see yourself reflected 
in writing and acting in any form of media. So I pose this question to my fellow co-hosts, and I pose it to those of you listening, especially if you're on Spotify, because this will be on a poll. Fill out that poll when you're done answering or done listening to this show. Where were you? And what was it when you first saw yourself reflected in media? What made you feel seen, feel heard, and feel valued? Because I think this is something that our generation is embracing that generations before us did not. And I think it's a very powerful time, and I think it's a very beautiful thing. And I think we need to do a deep dive on that because this podcast leave, leaves no stones unturned. So and with all of that, thank you for listening to my spiel. Thank you for listening to Let's Be Nerds. Thank you to my wonderful and amazing co-hosts, and we'll see you in the next one. Gordon, Lizette, are you guys as excited about the New Year's Eve special as I am? You know it, Steve. I mean, I know me and Drew are excited. We're both going to be there, and I think, Dylan, you're going to be there too, aren't you? You bet your shiny gold buttons I'll be there. <laughs> guys, do you know who else? Carmen, you're, you are coming. I don't, I'm so excited. Yeah, me and Bobby wouldn't miss it for the world. So this is going to be our first time doing a live event and people that are listening can actually come in, join the chat. They can join in on a microphone or through text chat and they can actually be a part of it. This is like the best way to end season one. I lost my left yeah. shoe no, thinking he... about it. <laughs> Did it knock your socks off? And Not even have those shoe. on in the first place, so just a shoe. <laughs> just a shoe. <laughs> what time is this going to start at? So we're looking at, because obviously we have to celebrate midnight. So we're thinking around 10 or 10.30. We're going to have more details to follow. So this is really important. If you want to be a part of our New Year's Eve special, you have to get on Discord or Reddit. You have to be a part of the community to be on. I, I can't explain how excited I am for us to be live. We're going to take your chats. You can join in on the call. Tell us what you like about the show, what you don't like. This is going to be the most interactive we've ever been with anybody. It's so exciting. But, Gordon, do you know what the real thing is? Is they have to have green room. Can you tell they them about green room? have to have green room. Green Room is a lovely addition to Spotify where we are able to go live and just be able to record with all of you guys listening in. You guys can ask to speak with us. You can join us. You can join in the live chat through the whole thing. We can bring you on so you can share your opinion on our podcast or just your opinion on some random BS like we love to do on our podcast and just chill with us all night. And Lizette, do you know what the best part is? If you li- are you a listener to Spotify? Yes. If you have a Spotify account, you can just ho- download the Green Room app and immediately create an account. How easy is that? Oh, okay. So it just ties into the account that you already have for Spotify. Exactly. It's perfect. It's going to be like a two-second download process and then a two-second sign-in process. Okay. Carmen... I don't know about you, but I would really think that it'd be cool if some of our listeners would like either join in on the voice chat or through text and tell us New Year's resolutions. Are you big on New Year's resolutions? Not so much on uh, resolutions, um, but I just love being with friends and family. And I think it would be a great time to have uh, more of our friends and family who are listening be a part of this so that uh, we get to hear from everybody. And what's a better way than celebrating the new year? 
than to start off with a group of friends that are all on the same page. Exactly. Dylan, I I can't wait. Are you excited? I am. Like I said, I lost my I lost my left shoe and I think the cat took the right. Oh my gosh. I should hopefully find it in time. If not, like you said, I can join through Reddit or I can join through the Discord. I can't wait. Well, I will see you guys all there and everybody listening. We hope to have you be a part of our special night. It's the season one finale. If you're enjoying the Let's Be Nerds podcast, please come join us and let's kick off the new year together and safely and social distance and just kind of be a part of a group where everybody's welcome and everybody's accepted. Hope to see you there. Let's Be Nerds is hosted and executive produced by Gordon Bryant and me, Stephen J. McLean. Let's Be Nerds is a production of Speakeasy Productions. Our social media manager is Kylie Gregg. Our managing producer and co-host is Lizette Ayala. Today's guest host was Robert Van Jacobs. You can follow him on all social media platforms at Bobby Dub Music. To keep up with the latest on Let's Be Nerds, join our Discord server linked in the description box below. Follow us on Instagram at Let's Be Nerds Pod or find us on Twitter at Let's the letter B nerds. Mm-hmm.